Then President Moon says, you've come to the south, when can I come to the north? And Kim Jong-un says, Ah, he went back into the north. Look at that. Almost as if they're erasing the line. But they have some very difficult issues to discuss. NK Now, joining us as always, the sole correspondent for NK News, Kim Jong-min. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Jung-min. So well, we're going to begin with these uh, messages, these beautiful letters, I guess you can say, sent between Kim Jong-un and Xi Jinping. What did they say? Mm-hmm. It, well, letters, it's been a while. Uh, technically, it was a verbal message sent right. from Xi Jinping to Kim Jong-un. Um, she told Kim that he's willing to work with him and other related parties, uh, not specifying who they are, to preserve peace on the Korean Peninsula. Um, he said that he's willing to do that to make contributions to regional peace. And verbal messages, it may sound a bit unfamiliar to some listeners. Often these communist party leaders like Xi or Kim send each other these messages through diplomats. So you can think of it as something similar to letters, like you said, but more like a spoken one that these diplomats relay to their leaders. Aside from what he actually said, which was like pretty short, this was interesting in another sense because um, the verbal message was exchanged between Song Tao of CCP and Ri Yongnam, the new DPRK ambassador to China, who's in the new, who's new in the gig. Um, and I did talk about him, hear about him before. Yeah. So short but succinct from Xi Jinping. What did uh, Kim Jong Un have to say? Yeah, Kim Jong Un replied right away, and KCNN reported uh, the next day. Kim Jong Un also sent Xi a verbal message stating that North Korea and China should strengthen unity and cooperation, quote-unquote, to cope with the hostile forces all around challenges and obstructive moves. To me, this sounds very much related to what's going on regionally right now. Kim reportedly also informed the Chinese leader about uh, about North Korea's military policies and also, importantly, relations with the United States and South Korea um, although did not specify what about these two countries he talked about um, but he did directly mention these two diplomatic relations, which was interesting. Right. Let's talk now about the very complicated web of relationships here. First, South Korea, U.S., and then China and the U.S., Russia and China, and now uh, Russia and South Korea. There's a lot going on, right? Yeah. Uh, so today, what to look out for is that Russian foreign minister is in South Korea, and he will be holding uh, like the diplomatic ties anniversary thing with Chung Yong, the foreign minister of South Korea. And t- tomorrow they are holding a meeting and b- will be giving a joint presser. And these kimchi exchanges, it came right after the United States-China talks that did not go very well and ended without a joint statement and both sides releasing uh, issuing press release that sounded very serious. Mm. Yesterday, after these North Korea-China exchanges, um, Russian foreign minister also met with Chinese foreign minister. So all these, of course, it also come after how Lincoln and Austin last week flew from Washington to Japan and South Korea last week, well, they're allies here, and discussed issues related to China and North Korea. And directly, um, he, they, Austin uh, a Blinken directly, uh, pretty, it was pretty standard, but he gave some hardline criticism against North Korea that Pyongyang's committed, quote unquote, systematic and widespread human rights abuses against its own people. Pyongyang really wouldn't like this. And this also falls right before the United, um, European Union led UN human rights resolution and North Korea's 
human rights um, was about to be submitted to the UN. And all in all, a lot is going on in this region right now. Right. A lot going on. And certainly a lot going on, at least in terms of border crossings, because we're seeing a mass exodus of uh, high-ranking diplomats and officials. Uh, No UN or NGO staff now left in North Korea anymore? Yeah. uh, Informed sources told NK News in in a very concerning information, actually, that a group of diplomats, aid workers, and others left Pyongyang last Thursday. And this um, is important because it includes United Nations' last two remaining representatives in the country, which were, by the way, both World Food Program staff members. Um, Concern Worldwide, which is an NGO, uh, the country director also left on Thursday. Uh, they were headed towards Shinjiu, the North Korean city close to the border, uh, Chinese border city of Tandong. And this means there's no international NGO staff nor UN foreign staff residing in North Korea anymore. And along with them, of course, like other diplomats, like Czech diplomats, Nigerian staff, and Pakistani administrative workers, they also left. But um, to give our listeners uh, like a bit of an overview what's going on here, um, due to North Korea's strict COVID restrictions and other difficulties, multiple groups of foreigners left North Korea in the past year in, in multiple times of exodus. But this one, to me, is particularly worrying. Um, they were the last remaining UN staff members in there. Um, there were already a, a very little, uh, very small population of foreigners in there. And there's already a lack of information coming from inside North Korea regarding human humanitarian situation in the country, including how um, the WHO reports 10 weeks in a row, actually, yesterday, we missed crucial information on the test numbers and quarantine numbers regarding COVID in North Korea. And this is the second exit foreigners, uh, of foreigners this year, um, as I mentioned here before, when the uh, eight Russians left North Korea on a rail trolley. You mentioned this is very worrisome. Can you just explain why this is a problem? We had Jung Se-yeon coming out on News Kongjang uh, talking about a potential food crisis. Yeah, along with other stuff that I mentioned here before, like the lack of crucial information and um, other issues, uh, former Minister Chong did mention quoting information from anonymous source reporting from inside North Korea that uh, the food situation is uh, particularly bad in certain provinces, and he argued that there would be people starving to death in late spring. Um, and last year, um, we, we can't con- confirm that information, but last year, this is still relevant because North Korea was hit with back-to-back typhoon and flood, and we did already know that the food situation and other humanitarian situations on the ground are pretty bad. And the border lockdown, it's not helping because it's blocking many A items from going inside. And WFP staff, along with um, food and agriculture organization staff, if countries like South Korea or others decide to provide aid to North Korea, if it's food aid, they usually go through the UN organization aid programs. Side note, although North Korea already rejected South Korea's aid proposal uh, years ago. Um, so if they, if the aid situation is already bad, and foreign UN or NGO staff not being in the country to implement such aid programs or liaison with the outside world to get the aid in, it's going to be really difficult. And they can't work with their point persons and counterparts in North Korea to not only to discuss the aid, but also to distribute the aid and monitor it. And it's a really messy picture right now. And um, on top of all these, um, even if border reopens and people get to go back to resume aid programs, it's going to take a lot of time and logistics to set things up. It's not like we're starting a clock. 
to give yeah. you an example. Well, a lot of challenges we're seeing abound here. And uh, now diplomatically, a huge rift here. Uh, a lot of people would be surprised that uh, it's a country in Southeast Asia, Malaysia, North Korea, basically severing diplomatic ties. Why did this happen? Yeah, um, they are closing up the border and also further isolating itself. Basically, North Korea was mad about Malaysia extraditing a North Korean citizen suspected of, suspected of multiple crimes to the United States. And North Korea, in response, said it will cut diplomatic ties with Malaysia because of extradition. And the DPRK foreign ministry, they declared that the uh, United States is the principal enemy and that Washington will pay a, pay a due price for the extradition. And why are they mad about the United States as well? Because they are framing it as how the United States was behind all of this, behind Malaysia for for Malaysia to do this. And like that, the MFA called Malaysia subservient to pro-U.S. forces um, and uh, alleged that United States hostile policy was behind all this. Um, a, a North Korean uh, foreign ministry called it a, it's, it's a little funny uh, if, I, if you put this in English, but super large hostile act against, the North, against North Korea under U.S. pressure. Um, and after all these frustrating, like, furious statements from North Korea, Malaysia afterwards also ordered North Korean diplomats in the country to leave under 48 hours, and they did. Um, they left in a bus, we confirmed, in Kim Yu-Song, North Korea's charge d'affaires in Malaysia. He said that this incident is anti-DPRK conspiracy, it's a heinous policy, it's backed by the United States. And he said it's unpardonable, um, like unpardonable crime aimed at isolating, suffocating North Korea. And just briefly, talk about this guy who was extradited, Moon Chun Myung. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He lived in Malaysia and the region for over a decade. And many international headlines were highlighting this case as the potential first ever case of a North Korean standing trial for alleged sanctions related crimes in the U.S. And Moon um, is he's in his fifties. And he was arrested in Malaysia in 2019. So this goes way, it goes way back after. Um, so he was arrested after being charged with money laundering and for smuggling them into North Korea. Um, his final appeal was denied earlier this month, and he's currently in the custody of the FBI. Um, U.S. Department of Justice said um, the day before yesterday that FBI's biggest counterintelligence challenges, one of them was bringing overseas defendants to justice, especially in the case of North Korea. And one high-level official there said that um, he hopes that Moon will be first of many. And like I said before, Pyongyang wouldn't really like this, but they would be keeping a very close eye on it. And the legal proceeding goes on, and we will have to keep an eye on how North Korea will react to this. We will indeed. As always, Chung Min, appreciate all of the reporting. Thank you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.